Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So happy to be here with you. Before we get into today's topic, which I'm super excited about, I wanted to let you know that at the time you're listening to this, there will be a couple of private coaching spots available. And right around the time that this episode comes out, crazy as it is to think about this, it will be just under four months until the holiday season, which time is completely flying. But if you want to close this year feeling like you have taken tangible actions towards reducing your relationship anxiety, if you want to feel more confident in your decision to be in your relationship, if you want to feel like you have specific tools to navigate moments of relationship anxiety when it comes up, then private coaching could be a great fit for you. Now, here are some of the things that I am helping clients with currently in private coaching. The question of, are we too different? Or am I ignoring my intuition by being in this relationship? The question of, how do I actually show up during moments of relationship anxiety? I don't know how to interrupt it or I don't know what to do when these moments show up. The question of how can I stop over-focusing on my relationship? I feel like it's the only thing I focus on. It's the only thing I ever think about. How do I essentially get my life back and have my relationship be part of it, but not the only thing? I'm also working with clients on how to be kinder to themselves and then kinder to their partners, less nitpicking and criticism internally, as well as towards their partner or relationship. And in general, the goal of me working with you for private coaching is to help you open your heart up more. I believe that we all have a lot of love to give and receive, but oftentimes there are things that are blocking our hearts or blocking the love that we have. And really, it's about just figuring out why the blocks are there and how to gently and compassionately move through them. So if this is something you're interested in, I'm going to put the link to apply in the show notes. Check out more information on my page. But essentially what the process looks like is that if you decide to apply, I will be in touch soon after to let you know if I think coaching could be a good fit. And from there, we'll reach out and schedule a consultation to talk, get to know one another better and make sure that you get all your questions answered about the experience. So it's a approximately 12-week experience. And so if we get started sometime in December, we'll be able to finish before end of year. So again, that link will be in the show notes and I look forward to hopefully hearing from you. Now for today's topic. So this topic is an interesting one. It's something that is personally applicable right now. And I know it's applicable to clients and other people in the You Love and You Learn community. And what actually inspired this podcast was I was listening to Lori Gottlieb, who's a therapist and an author. She wrote an incredible book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, which I highly recommend. It's just such a good book. And it's a book essentially based on her experience as a therapist, not only going through therapy herself, but working with four clients. Then she shares their story, their process through therapy, what they're learning. And there's just so many good insights and and moments in there. So 
can't recommend that book enough. I've read it a couple times and I might even read it again uh, when I'm home and have the book in front of me. But she was on Emma Chamberlain's podcast and I've never listened to the podcast before except for this one episode uh, just because I love Lori Gottlieb. So I really wanted to hear what she was sharing. And one particular part of the episode really landed with me, really felt relevant, and I wanted to explore it further. And the overall theme of this podcast is going to be kind of when we leave the honeymoon phase of our relationship and things perhaps start feeling more mundane or boring in our relationship. So let me just kind of, I want to set the tone of the conversation that Emma and Lori were having. I'm just going to kind of start off by sharing what they shared and then I'm going to go into my own responses and insights and how this can apply to you and your relationships. So essentially, Emma was asking the question to Lori of, what is your advice for people coming out of the honeymoon phase? Maybe these people have an addiction to like the high of the honeymoon phase. And how do they transition out of that into a more stable, comfortable, and maybe even at times boring relationship? And Lori and Emma agreed that like, yeah, it can sometimes feel boring because it's just normal and it's just life. And life isn't always fun, exciting, stimulating, and perfect all the time. So then Lori from the therapist perspective, went on to share that humans are addicted to novelty, aka newness, and novelty is really exciting for us. It's what the dopamine reacts to in our system. That's the dopamine reaction of newness and excitement and anticipation. And so if we're sitting in front of the TV, watching takeout, watching Netflix again, and it feels like we always do this, then yeah, it can be fun sometimes. But if that's our pattern, then we eventually adapt and that's why it starts to feel boring. And so she shares that you want to make sure that you're doing new things individually not just within the relationship, but you as an individual are doing things, that you're trying new things, that you have your own friends that you can hang out with and spend time with, and not necessarily only becoming kind of your own little bubble with your partner. Now, everyone has their own perspectives on this, but I think that we can all agree that if there's something that's too far out of balance where we're either too independent and only doing stuff alone or potentially too interdependent where we only do stuff with our partner, then maybe it will be on either end of the extreme. So just listen to this and and kind of assess what could work for you. But we need to make Make sure that we're not only kind of doing some of these own things individually, but that we're also trying new things together and actually getting up and like doing activities, doing things and making a point to keep that part of our relationship moving forward. And then Emma Chamberlain went on to share that once the newness wears off in a relationship, she's noted in her own situation that it's a great opportunity to use that energy to find other exciting activities to perhaps fill the void in other places. Like all that energy that we used to be spending on focusing on the start of the relationship, now some of that energy can actually be turned back around internally of what do I want to do with my time now? And is there even perhaps an opportunity for more freedom here for me to do some of the stuff that I love and maybe even have creative pursuits or just things that I do out of pure enjoyment. And the conversation between them is about to end. I'm just kind of recapping it here. But this is when Lori said something that really sparked this idea for my podcast. And the quote is almost a little bit of tough love, but I it instantly clicked for me. She said, if you're feeling bored in the relationship, look at yourself first and ask, have I become boring? Often what happens is 
you've become boring and you have not got outside of your comfort zone, tried new things, or maybe you've gotten into a routine. So if we turn the question around and say, how can I not be boring? And then if our partner is also doing this too, it's a really helpful exercise and it helps make sure that we're not the culprit here. It helps us make sure that we are still putting in an effort to grow, learn, try new things, evolve, and not get too comfortable. So that is the topic I want to address today, which is essentially, is our relationship boring or maybe is it us? And how to kind of think about this topic, how to take action on it, and how to give ourselves maybe a little bit of tough love that we could need. So I want to normalize first the transition out of the honeymoon stage if you had one into the stage maybe that does feel a little bit less exciting. Now, a honeymoon phase isn't necessarily mandatory. And if you didn't have one, it could have been because of a variety of factors. Maybe there was already some pressure that you were putting on yourself at the start of a relationship, or maybe there's some fears that were coming up right away. It doesn't necessarily mean anything about your partner or the relationship. There could have been a lot of internal factors why you didn't feel comfortable to let go and have a honeymoon phase. However, if you did have a honeymoon phase or if you just heard of the honeymoon phase, I really want to normalize the transition away from that phase into a more stable and steady phase in relationships. And right at the very beginning of my journey with You Love and You Learn and trying to learn about relationship anxiety and relationships in general, I read a great book called The Molecule of More by Daniel Z. Lieberman and Michael E. Long. And this book talks a lot about dopamine. And in it, they share some really interesting information about how a lot of people associate dopamine with pleasure. So like you get a quick hit of pleasure, whereas it's actually a reaction to the unexpected. So dopamine is reacting to possibility and reacting to anticipation. Now, at the beginning of a relationship, there's a lot of possibility and a lot of anticipation. So when am I going to see my partner next? Do they like me back? What's going to happen? It's all about newness and new things that you're trying together, new things that you're learning about each other. And that brings up a lot of possibility and a lot of anticipation. However, inevitably, eventually there's going to be certain parts of a relationship that feel less new. Now, part of this is our own approach to the relationship. So if we kind of assume we know all there is to know about our partner and we stop getting curious about them and we stop asking questions about them, then that's a really great way to cut out any newness and assume that, oh yeah, things are just kind of always going to be this way. However, some of this is just part of life. We don't necessarily need to guess how our partner feels about us if they've been expressing how they feel about us after months or years. We don't necessarily need to figure out when we're going to see our partner next if we're waking up to them daily. You know what I mean? So there's inevitably going to be a shift in some of this newness, and that's okay. And I want to normalize that piece. And another piece of the book that I thought was really interesting is that they talk about the difference between kind of this like passionate love that can start off at the beginning and then what it transitions into, which is called more of a companionate love. And this is according to anthropologist Helen Fisher, who is mentioned in this book. She talks about how passionate love has an expiration date. But after that, if a couple wants to remain attached to one another, they need to develop companionate love. 
and companionate love has different chemicals happening in the brain than the hormones that come in the initial newness. Instead of that dopamine, it actually involves molecules like serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins, which are actually a little bit more subdued. They call them in the book the here and now molecules. So here and now companionate love, which is more focused on like the present and more focused on kind of what is happening in this moment, not necessarily the anticipation or the high, is characterized by a deep and enduring satisfaction with present reality and an aversion to change, at least with regard to one's relationship with one's partner. So being in companionate love is almost like being really content. Like I'm peacefully happy with where I'm at right now. Yes, we can still grow together. Yes, things can change. Yes, things can evolve. But I know that I've kind of reached this place where I feel comfortable in the relationship. I feel confident. And yes, maybe it's not as exciting all the time, but I'm satisfied with the present reality. And I think this is where it gets a little tricky with the relationship anxiety mind who might always be looking for more excitement, more love, more feelings. And it might feel really hard to settle into this companionate love when we're chasing that dopamine from the initial stages of the relationship. So here's the thing with all of this. I know that the movies and media have done a really good job of kind of selling us that we get to have it all and we get to have it all all the time. So we get to have both the passion and the companionate love. We get to have the best friend, but we also get to have the lover. We get to have the comfort and safety that a steadier relationship can bring, and we get the spicy and exciting parts. And my belief is that we do get to have a mix of all of these things, but we might not necessarily have all of them at level 100 all the time, and they might not necessarily be permanent. It might be that they ebb and flow. There might be seasons where things feel a lot more mundane and stable and comfortable. And then there's going to be times where things feel more exciting and passionate and new. And some of that is up to us of how much energy and intention we put in to helping cultivate those seasons. Because the reality is, is that bringing excitement to our relationship after time takes energy. It takes intentionality. It takes people in the relationship prioritizing it. At the start of a relationship, we have a lot of energy and attention going into the relationship. For better or for worse, we're spending a lot of time focused on it. And if we are not necessarily prioritizing that at the same level at later stages in the relationship, First of all, that's okay. But second of all, it's no wonder that eventually things start evolving and we start to wonder, oh, how did we get here and what changed? So I want to say that it doesn't mean what I'm talking about here of putting in this effort and energy. It doesn't mean that at all times we should be focused on bringing the fun and the excitement and the passion and all of that back into our relationship. We absolutely do not need that. It's actually really, really great if we can learn to become more content with some of the stability and the comfort and the slowness and maybe the routine 
to an extent. However, if we are constantly finding ourselves saying, oh, this is not exciting enough, oh, this is so boring, that's what I want to explore in the second half of this podcast is how we can actually influence some of that. So when Lori asked the question, I think that if you're feeling bored in your relationship, look at yourself first and ask, have I become boring? Oh my gosh, (laughs) it like hit me at a visceral level because it felt so incredibly true for me. Now, I don't think I'm a boring person as a whole. And I actually know that I'm not um, just kind of like, I know that there's a lot of great things in my life that I've done. I know that I'm not necessarily afraid to get outside my comfort zone, try new things. And I know that at a higher level, if you're looking at like a 3,000 feet view above my life, then I know that there's a lot of excitement and great experiences, not only individually, but in my relationship with family, with friends, all of that. However, at this exact phase in my life right now, I do feel like in in certain ways I've become a little bit boring. And so I'm going to share a little bit more about kind of my own behind the scenes right now. Maybe you can relate to some of this, even if it's not your exact experience. Maybe you can relate to parts of my story. And then I'm going to talk about how both you and I, you listening and me sharing my story here can kind of take this back into our own hands and take some initiative and how to move forward from here. So in the last few years being in Sweden, there's definitely been shifts. Uh, I don't know if some of these shifts would have happened regardless of me living in Sweden. I don't know if some of this was pandemic related. It's kind of hard because over the last three and a half, four years, there's just been a lot of change globally. There's been a lot of change, I think, for many people internally, a lot of change, a lot of transition happening. And it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly why some of this has happened. And We don't even need to pinpoint exactly why. But I think between a unique combination of the pandemic happening, me getting older, and then being in Sweden, there's definitely some trends or patterns that I've noticed in my own life. So before the pandemic, before moving to Sweden, before me being older, (laughs) I'm like now I'm 30, I'm calling myself old, but I know I'm not. But before this last three and a half, four years, Nate and I were long distance. And so every time we saw each other, there actually was that newness, that anticipation, that excitement. Even if every time we saw each other wasn't perfect and maybe I still had some anxiety around certain experiences, there was still a lot of newness in anticipation. Another thing is before all of these changes happened, I was kind of always on the go. So when I was still working at a nine to five, living back at home before the pandemic hit, I was up at 6 a.m., heading to a workout class or working out. Then I would go to work. I would be like doing all these things in my day. And then afterwards, I still feel like I would either be hanging out with my roommates or I would find something to do after work to stay busy if I wasn't spending time with Nate. And all of that said, I was also heading into an office where I would chat with people and I had stimulation from that. I was talking to people in person more frequently. And another thing is before moving to Sweden, Nate and I had never even lived together on our own fully. So we had planned to move in together before the pandemic, but stayed with family until leaving for Sweden in January of 2021. So there was a lot of things that looked very different than my life right now. Whereas right now, I live with Nate 
all the time. So we're not doing long distance. This is our first time we've lived together. And now we've lived together in Sweden for the last like two and a half, almost three years. And we have gotten into some routines and rituals. Yeah, there's been a lot of newness and change throughout the last two years, but a lot of it has ended up being inevitably just both of us going through the work week or both of us trying to, you know, have our daily routines, things like that. This is also the first time I'm working at home by myself. And yes, I'm on meetings or calls. And yes, I'm engaging with people, but I'm always doing it virtually for the most part. Um, So that's been a big change for me. And another thing is, is that I can't exactly pinpoint why, but I've just become a little bit more of a homebody here than maybe I was back home. Some of it feels like it was intentional and some of it is perhaps because there was a little bit less going on where we live here in Sweden than when I was back home. And again, it could just be a different phase of life, whatever it is. But this year, especially in the calendar year of 2023, I really started to realize that outside of spending time with Nate and outside of working, I had very little to feel fulfilled and like to fulfill me in my life outside of those two things. Now, I don't mean to sound extreme, but you know, I would spend time, of course, FaceTiming my family and friends and that was great, but I still felt like I was missing some of that connection, especially during the winter this year. And I do have friends here in Sweden and we love spending time with friends here in Sweden too, but definitely less friends or less opportunities to get together with friends here than I would back home. And some of the extracurricular activities, so to speak, that I was trying to get involved in didn't seem to be panning out. So let me give an example. I've been trying to take a pottery class for like, or like a ceramics class for so long, and I kept signing up for them here and they kept getting canceled for some reason. So little things like that, it felt like every time I was trying to inquire about doing some sort of hobby, it wasn't quite working out. Now, a lot of this is on me, right? I could have, you know, picked something up. I could have, you know, bought extra supplies for some crafts and and tried that. I could have been a little bit more intentional about it. But this year, more so than past years, I've really started to realize that I'm craving something outside of work and something outside of my relationship with Nate and something outside of learning that really fulfills me. Some things that I do are, you know, reading fiction for fun, things like that. But I'm really craving like a, a specific hobby, like something to do with my hands, something to get me out of the house, something to get me more active and getting FaceTime with other humans. And so when I'm really honest with myself, that is something that has been feeling like it's looming over me a little bit over the last six to nine months. And so I'm really, really excited that even by the time this podcast comes out, I'll be back at home in the States and we're starting our new chapter closer to family and friends that we've grown up with and closer to a little bit of a bigger city where I'll hopefully be able to explore some of these hobbies and try new things. And so really, really excited about that. And that is one thing that I'll take full responsibility for in myself that maybe I haven't been giving the energy or the effort that I would like to, but it's something that in this new season and chapter at home is going to be a big priority for me. So back to this question of, you know, is the relationship boring or maybe am I boring? I'm kind of going to raise my hand and say that a little bit of my life right now feels like I'm boring. And so inevitably, sometimes then that can spill over into me thinking the relationship isn't exciting enough or the relationship needs to be more fun or more stimulating. And 
it's just so interesting when we realize that our internal state is what's getting projected outwardly onto our partner or to the relationship. Now, Nate has a hobby that he's really been enjoying doing and practicing outside of work and outside of our relationship. And also too, Nate is a little bit more of an introvert than I am. Not that that fully matters, but I think he's a little bit more okay being at home and and just kind of doing his hobby here at home. Whereas for me, I'm really craving like interaction, community, getting outside of the house, stuff like that. But I noticed that when he is practicing his hobby, he's just really content, really enjoying things. And it kind of is just something for him to really focus in on. And it makes him feel like he has a creative expression outside of work and outside of our relationship. And it's so, so important. And when I notice the trigger of boredom making me feel like my relationship isn't good enough or the questions coming up of, is our relationship exciting enough? I really now have been taking it as a cue to turn the question around to how can I show up differently here? How can I become less boring? Not from a shame-based way or a judgmental way, but just from a really curious and honest way and using it as motivation for me to then take action because sitting there saying, oh, like our relationship's so boring or my life's so boring, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't feel helpful. It doesn't actually get the ball rolling. Whereas huh, okay, yeah, I'm feeling like there's a little bit less excitement happening in my relationship. I wonder if there's also a little bit less excitement happening in my own life too. And then I wonder what the next best step would be. What is one action I can take here? That feels much more empowering. It feels much more in your control versus just kind of like, oh, this thing's happening to me and there's nothing I can do about it. Now, I'll say again, this doesn't mean we have to be exciting all the time or that our relationship has to be exciting all the time. Part of this is really just practicing knowing when to be a little bit more at peace with the slowness, the comfort. And part of this is acknowledging when that slowness and comfort maybe has been going on long enough and you really want to bring a little bit more of that newness and the novelty back in. Um, Now, most of the time, I can be pretty accepting of mundane moments. I've gotten so much better at that over the last four years of knowing that not every moment needs to be perfect. It's okay if we want to just watch TV night, like on the weeknights. It's okay if we are not talking every minute of every um, day, especially like on a date night. We don't need to be talking the whole time for it to be an enjoyable evening. But I know I can still get caught in old patterns because the pull and the desire to get that dopamine hit runs really strong as part of the human brain. So we really have to it make it a point to slow down and acknowledge that we don't need that next hit of newness and excitement all the time. So all of this to say, I'm kind of going to wrap up here and, and leave you with something to think about to implement this in your own life. The key takeaways here is that sometimes we think that our relationship might have a problem or challenge, but really the first step is to check in with how we are feeling internally or how fulfilled we are as an individual and how we can start there. Because starting there is always something that we have control over. It doesn't need to be like going out and buying something. It doesn't need to be going out and spending a lot of money, but how can I bring a little bit more excitement into my routine if I'm feeling like things are just becoming very mundane and consistent. When we're starting to try and place 
responsibility on our partner or the relationship starting internally is always a great first step. And one takeaway from this episode that you can now reflect on, feel free to either get out a journal or just kind of check in with yourself right now as you're listening, is how are you filling your own cup outside of your relationship? Where are you unfulfilled externally that has nothing to do with your partner? Start there and then see what shifts. And I know for me, I, again, I'm just really acknowledging that this is an area I want to focus on. So you are in good company. You are not alone. And an intention I have for the new chapter moving back is to really find that balance for me of creating novelty, creating excitement in my own life and in doing new things with Nate while also practicing being content with some of those slower, more quote, quote, boring moments, because those are also part of life too. Thank you so much for listening to this. I hope that this was helpful and gave you a new perspective to think about. I'd love to hear what you think of the episode. So feel free to send me a DM at you love and you learn. I am taking a little social media break at the moment, but I can't wait to be back and check in if you have feedback about this episode. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.